0: Welcome to Evolution Revolution with Dulcinea. Happy Fall 2009. Only when we embark in the unknown can we be led to a greater awareness of the truth of who we are. So allow the flow of the divine to lead you upon a most mysterious journey and expect nothing but the best from yourself and the world. Happy traveling. Evolution Revolution is focused on offering the listeners intuitive and balanced information that fosters transformation, both personally and globally, ultimately raising the consciousness on planet Earth. Please explore more about myself, Evolution Revolution, Voices of Change, all past guests and archives, media articles, services, resources, upcoming events, and much more on my website at www.evolutionrevolutionradio.com or www.dulcineasdivinevision.com Thank you for joining the show, wherever you may be listening. On Evolution Revolution today, I am honored to have an appearance from Paul Rademacher. For over 25 years, Paul has been studying the intersection between consciousness, spirituality, and the Christian tradition. After graduating with a master's degree in divinity from Princeton Theological Seminary in 1985, Paul spent 15 years in the pastoral ministry working in congregations in both Indiana and North Carolina. From 1989 to 1992, he pursued doctoral studies in the areas of mysticism, meditation, and spiritual practice in Detroit, Michigan. In 1997, he attended for the first time the Monroe Institute and continued as a student there until 2000. Beginning in 2001, he became the residential facilitator at the Institute, leading groups in experiential explorations of their inner awareness, and since October of 2007, has served as the executive director of the Monroe Institute. Before leaving the traditional ministry in 2000, Paul was able to bring together the worlds of spirituality and consciousness by introducing the Monroe methodology to small groups within his congregation. Through courses he designed and taught, the participants were not only able to move personally into profound altered states of consciousness, but were also able to see the connection between these states and what Jesus termed the kingdom of heaven. For most of them, it was their first introduction to perceptions beyond the physical body, an experience that was life-changing for many. Paul currently resides in Virginia with his family and continues to lead humanity at the Monroe Institute as an author and spiritual leader. Welcome, Paul. Thank you for joining me on Evolution Revolution. It is an honor to have you with us today.
1: Oh, thank you so much, Dulcinea. I really appreciate the, the introduction, and it's a pleasure to be with you.
0: Well, thank you. So, what was the defining moment for you that you realized that you were a spirit in a body and that there was much more to this life than what you had been experiencing thus far?
1: Well, for me, I, I think one of the most profound first experience that happened to me was when um, this is back in I would in 1981, I think it was. Uh, my brother and I had a construction business, and that we had started together, and we were building a home, and I was uh, up on the roof of the house. And uh, I was pulling on a board to kind of try to wedge something over, and all of a sudden the board gave way, and I found myself falling off the roof and didn't have any uh, time to adjust to the fall, and I landed on a pile of gravel and uh, ended up fracturing my left hip, though I didn't know it at the time. We had a crane there, and I luckily just missed the base of the crane by about six inches with my head, and they uh, brought an ambulance, took me to the hospital, and did some x-rays. And when they looked at the x-rays, they didn't find anything wrong with the hip, and so they put me in physical therapy, which is a tough place to be if you actually do have a fractured hip. It's not where you want to end up at all. And uh, but and so I was in physical therapy for just a bit, and the doctor came by and looked at me, and he said, you know, you don't look like you're doing too well. And I said, you know, doc, I'm really not. So he said, well, let's take another look at that hip. So they did some additional x-rays and found out that there was indeed a fracture there, took me out of physical therapy and put me into traction. And when he came by and told me that I had a fracture and that I was going to be off work for a number of weeks, and I went into a, a spiral downward. It was a spiral of pain and anxiety. Pain because the, the fracture was actually pretty excruciating. And anxiety because this was the busiest time of our year and there was no way I could possibly be off work and I was convinced that my brother couldn't do without me. Although later on i would find out that that wasn't true um so as i went as i went downward all of a sudden i broke through into another reality and that's the only way i can describe it and in that other dimension all of the pain completely evaporated the anxiety went away completely i found myself surrounded by total peace uh the apostle paul calls it the um the peace that passes all understanding And for me, that was not an abstract thing at all. It was actually a destination point. There is a place that is called the peace that passes all understanding. And um, I knew beyond a shadow of a doubt that there were no such things as accidents. Everything had meaning and purpose. And uh, I felt that the environment I found myself in was somehow united with my physical being and and was sort of interwoven in a very strange way. But then uh, a little bit later on in the experience, and who knows how long, because time doesn't seem to have much relevance in these dimensions, I found myself standing in front of a being of light, and and we were discussing my life, but without words. And when I came away from that experience, it was so profound to me, because I hadn't done any kind of uh, meditation or uh, really much exploration of this world, and It was if I had heard about it at all. It certainly wasn't for people like me. You know, I was just an ordinary contractor. It had to be for people like saints and shamans and gurus and those kinds of people. And all of a sudden, here I was, by some profound grace that I still don't understand, found myself in these in this other realm that was was amazing and wonderful beyond description. So when I came out of that, uh, I thought that that experience uh, was to answer a particular question that I had been wrestling with, and that was, should I or should I not go to seminary? Because I, w- I was f- sensing a, a call into the ministry, and I, at that time I was looking for what was uh, the definitive sign from God. And so when I had this, fell into this other dimension. I felt, obviously, this is, this is the voice of God speaking to me, and so I, I took my wife, and at that time we had two children. Went off to Princeton Theological Seminary and graduated three years after that. But what I began to realize over time was that, that there was a deeper, um, a deeper reason for that experience, and it was to create a hunger in me to want to get back to that world again, to understand it, uh, to integrate it more into my life. And I didn't realize it at the time, but but that question and that quest would be so profound for me that I would spend the rest of my life in pursuit of exactly exactly that—to get back to that world and to understand it and to integrate integrate it and interact with it. So it was it was one of those experiences where I thought my life was in heading in one direction, and all of a sudden it took a sharp turn in a, in a direction that I couldn't have possibly imagined. Isn't that a
0: beautiful gift of? Mm-hmm. of- human on a spiritual journey. <laughs> <laughs> that's,
1: that's right. That's right. We we don't have much choice in that matter for sure.
0: Uh-huh. So it was really in that defining moment of your fall and going into another dimension where you recognized that the limitations that you had been functioning with were no longer pertinent to you and you decided to pursue this new path based on your enlightened awareness um, when you claimed Falling into another dimension, allowing you to lead yourself in that new direction with that flow. Is that correct?
1: Well, I, I wouldn't say that, that my limitations were no longer pertinent because uh, we're all we all find ourselves in this kind of interesting position of of both being both spirit and body. You know, it's not a question of one or the other, but um, there's there is this very. Interesting aspect of being connected to the world through the body and the limitations that come with that, and also the capacity to move beyond those limitations and, and experience something that is beyond the physical world. So, in my experience, in my mind, it's not a question of choosing one or or the other. It's a question of, of learning how to integrate and and work with them, both of those dimensions. And so, um, I. I very much still feel like I've got tremendous limitations, but um, I also know that there is another aspect to me that that is able to move beyond so many limitations uh, in in extraordinary ways. And I think that's true of everyone. It isn't just me, but I think we all have that capacity as human beings.
0: Absolutely. And and you just had a a personal experience that activated that awareness.
1: Right, right. And, And I think that's the key. To so much of this, and um, and I think that you know the book that I've written is trying to make that point that it, when we move into the experiential domain, when it becomes a, a part of our our life and we've lived through it, then that's a different order of knowing or, or a different category of understanding than if somebody tells us about it or we learn about it through a book. When we have that direct personal experience. Then uh, we understand it in at a very deep level, right down to the level of our bones, and that has a that has a life changing power to it. Especially if that experience is of a of a category where we've always thought it was only other people could could do something like that, or or you had to go through special training uh, that. Uh, only the, the most elite kinds of persons could do it, or only the most spiritual. But when you begin to do it yourself, then that is a very profound and life-changing experience.
0: Yes. So in your book, A Spiritual Hitchhiker's Guide to the Universe, Travel mm-hmm. Tips for the Spiritually Perplexed, you present that you, as you've mentioned, went through a very traditional um, upbringing, a traditional religious platform through academia and then you had this experience that you just mentioned that completely shifted your perception of your possibilities with spirit so how in the book have you helped others to merge that enlightened awareness with that traditional dogma
1: mm. well understand that that wasn't something that happened all at once it was sort of many years of, of working with this i when i was as when i was in the ministry i found myself in a, a strange position of of being someone who uh, there was an expectation as a, as a presbyterian pastor that that you have a certain degree of normalcy about who you are and <laughs> the kinds of things that that you're interested in and, and you talk about you know there you're, there's a maybe a certain built-in conservatism to that that goes with the office of being a, a pastor or at least in terms of the expectations of some and uh, so, on the one hand, I had this public life in which I was working at uh, in the in the more traditional settings, but in my private life, if I was so awed by this experience and so uh, curious about it, I found myself pursuing all kinds of other opportunities that were outside of the mainline traditional church. I would go to conferences and seminars that I would seldom, if ever, tell anybody about because I I really didn't know if they could find the space for it within the traditional conceptions of the Christian tradition. So over the time, I I began to find ways that that I saw that um, there was actually a connection between these two worlds, at least uh, from what I considered to be um, what I think Jesus was really talking about. And for me, that connection follows this idea that uh, Jesus, when he was talking about the kingdom of heaven, wasn't so much talking about uh, the, uh, a place that we go to after we die which is the, is the usual popular conception. You know, there's the there's this, this sense that when we die, we have two options. You're either going to heaven or you're going to hell. And the dividing line it shifts depending on what tradition you're a part of. Um, but for me, I began to think that when Jesus was talking about the kingdom of heaven, he would say things like, the kingdom of heaven is among you, or the kingdom of heaven is within you, Some of you will not taste death before you see the kingdom of heaven coming in all of its glory. So when he was uh, mentioning those things, it didn't seem to me he was talking about some kind of future after we die, but that there was a present aspect to the kingdom of heaven and that's where i began to suspect that what he was really talking about was this shift in awareness or shift in consciousness where we open up to new possibilities and and as you said before in a sense open up to beyond the limitations of what it, what the physical imposes on us at least for temporarily so that we get a much broader sense of of uh, the possibilities of for the human condition so uh, uh i would uh, I would weave some of this into my sermons from time to time when I was in the ministry. And it was kind of comical because uh, when I would greet people after the service, my wife sometimes would be standing beside me. And so many people would come by and they'd say, oh, that was the most wonderful sermon, that was great, that was great. And then she would lean over, my wife would lean over to me and she would say, if they only had any idea of what you were really saying, they'd fire you on the spot. (laughs) And in many ways that's true. But that was kind of when I've, I discovered that that the people who have ears to hear it will hear it, and those who don't have ears to hear it, it just kind of passes them by, and and uh, I think for a long time I lived in in that sort of um, shadow world and and allowed uh, the what I was saying to make sense to the people for whom who it was intended, but over time I I did do a few programs where I brought some of the Monroe experiences into a for a small group in the church and and um it was then th- that I began to realize how important this work is and and that the real connection to the consciousness and the kingdom of heaven is is not something that I, I've just made up, but I think it's a- absolutely true,
0: yes, and I think you bring up very uh, several profound points in what in what you've just presented, and I think one that resonates um in the in the book that it comes across very clearly through the book and one that you just brought forth again, is that you Jesus really just demonstrated this consciousness. He lived mm-hmm. it in the moment. And when we choose to embrace the moment or the kingdom of heaven in this moment, we have the same opportunity to act in the light that Jesus did.
1: Mm-hmm. Absolutely.
0: And I think that is so profound, because I know I myself, having been raised in a very traditional um, Catholic dogma, and having attended Catholic school, and and, and I very much value what religion has presented for me. But Mm -hmm. I, like yourself, had experiences since uh, childhood that took me above and beyond their presentation of what is possible. Mm -hmm. And so it was very validating, as I read through your book, A Spiritual Hitchhiker's Guide to the Universe, to understand that other people had used the Bible, and Jesus, and religion as a platform to evolve, and mm-hmm. to go to the next level, not to get limited, in a sense, in that shoebox, if right, you will. Right,
1: right. I think, that, <clears throat> I think where, we, we, where we've made a mistake in, in, in the church to some extent is that, uh, again, and this is just from my perspective, and people don't have to buy into it if they don't want to, but uh, just to consider the possibility that The way Jesus is generally presented is as uh, someone who is so divine that we really can't necessarily connect uh, with what Jesus was doing unless we give ourselves over completely to Jesus. And and, and so there's this this division between uh, Jesus who's up on a pedestal and the rest of us who really can't find our way without, without his help. I think that, that what Jesus was really doing was, uh, to, as you said so profoundly, to, presenting to us an example of the possibilities of the human condition. Because he, he said to his disciples, these things that I do, you will do and more. And he was speaking not to uh, extraordinary people, but just run-of-the-mill fishermen and and tax collectors and, and on and on and on. Ordinary people. And and we lose sight of that, that that. Uh, he, If he's saying it to ordinary people then, he's also saying it to us now. And so if if we uh, can consider the possibility that Jesus represents the, the potential of the human condition, then that means that we can start to move into that kind of uh, lifestyle and, and that kind of uh, compassion and that kind of engagement with the world. And um, I think that's, for me, the the really profound aspect to who he was and I think we've missed that.
0: Yes, in the book in the uh, right after the table of contents you offer the quote, I shall give you what no eye can see, what no ear has heard and no hand has touched and what mm-hmm. has not come into the human heart, Jesus. So profoundly you know, experiential.
1: <laughs> that that comes from the Gospel of Thomas, and um, and obviously what he's talking about there is that it is. Um, this other world is accessible to us. Um, something beyond the limitations of the physical five physical senses is actually available to us, and and um, I know from my own experience, but also from the experience of so many other people who have come through the Monroe Institute, that that's not empty talk. That that in fact. Uh, ordinary people can begin to experience extraordinary perceptions that uh, will change uh, the way you understand your life in this world and your purpose in this this world as well.
0: Yes. So speaking of the Monroe Institute, Mm -hmm. how were you introduced to the Monroe Institute and how has that influenced your (laughs)
1: path? Okay. Um, Before I go into that, I probably should uh, mention a a bit of a caveat here because... um, I, I'm really wearing two hats in this interview. One hat is is the author of, of the book, which is um, trying to help people to understand and make a theological connection to the work that we do at the M- Monroe Institute. And, and it's aimed at a, a, a Christian audience or a Judeo-Christian audience. Um, but I, I want people to understand, if they're listening to this, that uh, what we do at the, at the Institute is purposely non-dogmatic. Um, we pride ourselves in uh, creating a context where people of all traditions can come together and begin to move into a a context where they can explore for themselves. And we purposely try not to uh, create any kind of um, principles or dogmas because we want people to discover that for themselves. So the only uh, dogma that, that we ask people to to at least entertain is the possibility that they might be more than their physical bodies. We don't uh, try to tell them what that more is. We want them to find out for themselves. And so, while I'm on this call, speaking uh, of my experience within the Christian tradition, um, I, as the executive director of the Monroe Institute, that's something that I leave to the side. So in case anybody's uh, concerned about that, I wanted to make that very clear. So now, going back to your question, which was, how did, how did um, I make this jump? Well, I went through seminary, and I was, I was in the ministry for a couple of years um, in Muncie, Indiana. And my wife and I went on vacation. When, uh, we both loved to read, and, and we, walked to, we went to Toronto, Canada, and we walked into what's called the world's biggest bookstore. And it's still there today. And back then, it actually was the world's biggest bookstore because this was before Barnes & Noble and Borders and all that. So I felt like I had kind of died and gone to heaven just walking through the door. Mm -hmm. And uh, as far as the eye could see, there were books after books on on shelves. And I was there for about two minutes when all of a sudden one book uh, virtually jumped off the shelf at me. And it was Robert Monroe's second book, which is called Far Journeys and i read that thing cover to cover because and i couldn't put it down because here was somebody who was talking about non-physical experience and he wasn't doing it from a theological perspective or a philosophical or or, or speculation he was simply relating his own direct personal experience and I thought, as i was reading that i thought oh my gosh here's somebody who really understands what happened to me when i fell off the roof somebody who understands that there are other dimensions than just the physical. Got to the back end of the book, and I found out that there was a place called the Monroe Institute where you could go and study and experience this kind of, uh, of world. And I thought to myself, oh my gosh, wouldn't it be amazing to go to a place like that? And right after that was the second thought that said, wouldn't it be amazing to work at a place like that? Knowing, of course, mm-hmm. that neither, neither one of those was ever going to happen because I didn't have the money or the time to go. But about 10 years after that, I I went to my first program at the Institute. And the world that I experienced when I fell off the roof opened up in spades. It was like in living technicolor.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So I, I was absolutely enthralled and hooked. I came home and I tried to tell my wife about it, but all I could do was, was weep because weep, tears of gratitude because it was so profound. Mm. So uh, I knew at that point that somehow uh, I had to get involved, and eventually I became, a, as you mentioned, a residential facilitator. And then uh, who knows how it happened, but here I am. I'm executive director of the place, and um, knowing that, that this has been somehow orchestrated from, uh, from forces that I, even to this day, I'm not sure I understand.
0: Isn't that a beautiful story? Well, congratulations, and I really commend you for honoring your path from traditional religion and embracing your personal experiences, allowing you to then lead others to their own conclusion of consciousness and their
1: experience.
0: That's a a very beautiful gift to humanity.
1: Well, we look at it. You know, we are a nonprofit organization, and so we take very seriously this idea that uh, we are here to be of service uh, to to the world and. uh, in, in so many ways, it's a great privilege to do that and, and, a, and a great joy as well.
0: Yes, and so I find that it's been just, a, it's a very beneficial, I find that the universe has done something very valuable with you in, in what you've mentioned in discerning the, the function of your book and the role at the Institute. Mm-hmm. And I think that the, the, the book, A Spiritual Hitchhiker's Guide to the Universe, is a very powerful bridge to consciousness. And it offers people, deep insight, I mean, you really take the reader through your journey, through the emotions. As I was reading it, it was like reading my own (laughs) parallel (laughs) journey (laughs) through another glasses, another set of lenses. And it was just very validating. So you really offer people the frustration, the understanding. I mean, I'll I'll give it a glimpse here of one of the things I was reading. It was in an excerpt of God the Enemy. Mm. You say... One night, unable to sit still in the face of mounting pressure, I went for a walk alone to vent my rage, which with each step I screamed at God, mostly in my mind, but sometimes even out loud, how could you, how dare you, I leave everything I have, I come to this place to follow a calling that you chose for me, and now you abandon me, and you continue on, is this a joke? And I just... I think we all have come to those crossroads in our path, no matter what you know our fundamental beliefs are with religion or not, just as a human being, and we recognize there has to be a divine compass, a higher compass, to lead us. And when we felt we've followed that compass and there's no tangible result, which we all experience in one way, sh- shape, or form, you really just show persevering through these trials and these questions, and Radiating permission for others to ask these questions themselves.
1: Mm, thank how, you.
0: How empowering!
1: Mm-hmm. Oh, you're so kind to say that. I, uh, you know, but I think it's true. You know, when when we share our struggles, uh, it does give permission to to people to do that as well. And I think this kind of gets back to uh, our one of those statements that I made previously is that, you know, it isn't as if we leave our limitations behind. It, it there is a struggle somehow. That happens when you embrace the spiritual journey, and it, the struggle is precisely around this fact that that we can 't seem to leave behind our fears or our sorrows or gr- our griefs or uh, we can 't leave behind the responsibilities that it, that are necessary just to keep this physical body going you know i mean to, it, and particularly if you have a family there 's a, a a tremendous uh, tension i think that that is involved in in caring for the family, and also trying to pay attention to this longing of the heart, this longing of the soul for something more. And I I think it's a unique aspect maybe to our world that we uh, have this kind of built-in restriction, and and those restrictions, while they are painful and so difficult to work through at so many levels, are also an opportunity for us to grow and uh, it's sort of like polishing a stone in some some regards in that in that way but that that with those restrictions something in us gets larger something in us gets stronger over time and it's not pleasant and it's not easy by any means but i think as we get older we begin to realize that there is some kind of wisdom that that we gain through that whole process
0: yes very very true mm-hmm. I, I, that is so defining for me. It's ringing very true. So, what I, what I'm wondering is, throughout the book, you offer several stories—funny stories, trying stories, inspiring mm. stories, profound revelations mm. that you experienced through your search. What would you say is the most memorable experience that has clearly defined who you've become today in the book?
1: Mm. Oh, there's so many. Um the, the, I guess maybe the one that kind of comes to mind for me is uh, this was my first experience at at the Monroe Institute, and uh, believe me, I I had no expectations that anything like this could ever possibly happen to me, and so that's why when it happened, it was such a big surprise to me. Um, when uh, we were uh, moving through, and I should probably uh, describe what, what happens at the Institute, Um Bob and Robert Monroe was a, a radio engineer, and eventually became a producer and then a vice president of Mutual Broadcasting System. And this was back in in the 1950s. He started having spontaneous out-of-body experiences, and he wanted some way to uh, control them because they were out of control. And he also wanted some way to uh, to maybe explore this condition more effectively. And over time, he developed a series of sound patterns that help people to move into states of consciousness or states of awareness that ordinarily would take years and even decades of meditation, practice, or chanting to get to these states. Uh, People can come to the Institute and begin to to experience them in a matter of days as opposed to a matter of years or decades. So... uh, What we do is we put headphones on and we lie down in a bed, and then um, the the sounds that Robert Monroe uh, developed are put through the headphones, and it enables us to to move into journeys and experiences and perceptions that move beyond uh, the the five physical senses. So here I was. I was going through one experience where I uh, was... uh, Sort of moving along. I don't know what you call it. Do you move? Do you you walk? Do you run? I don't float. Here I was moving through this sort of space, and off to my left, I suddenly discovered that uh, there were uh, was a a group of uh, people of light, and they were gathered around in a circle. And uh, I didn't know exactly what it was, but I got real curious. So I walked over to the group, and I looked uh, in. The circle in the middle of the circle was this person who obviously had just come over from uh, having passed through death to the other side. And here I was on the other side. And uh, to my surprise, I looked and I saw that it was my father. Now, back up about seven years prior to that, my father was dying of Alzheimer's disease. And the evening of his death, I was standing at his bedside. And at that point in time, he really didn't... uh, Um, know us very much but every once in a while there would be a moment of lucidity where he would kind of come to life and i guess i maybe caught him in one of those moments when i looked at him and i knew that he was very close to dying and i said hey dad when you get to the other side will you come back and tell me what it's all about and he sort of nodded and that was about it and i think those are the last words that i spoke to him Never in my wildest dreams could I ever have imagined that I would myself be on the other side greeting him and welcoming him when he passed through death. And so when I saw him lying there in the midst of this circle of the people of light, Um, He looked like it was utterly worn out, and the best analogy I can say is that he he looked like someone, like a fish that had been landed in the bottom of a boat after it had been struggling for a long, long fight. And instinctively, I picked him up in my arms, and he was very frail. I picked him up in my arms, and I started walking with him, and I was telling him, Dad, look, you're on the other side now, and... you're going to be uh, greeted by your friends and relatives and you're making your transition into this incredible beautiful world. And so I and I was doing this all by instinct. Nobody had trained me to do this by any means. I didn't even know it was possible. And so after a while uh, one of the light people came and they took my dad out of my arms and said to me, "Thank you. Uh his family is coming to greet him in just a little bit and you've done a wonderful service." Um when he told me that i thought to myself service that wasn't service i was just doing what what i thought i needed to do you know um and then but then when i came out of the experience i was so moved because i never could have imagined anything like this it was so far beyond description as far as i was concerned and and i think that 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 really affected me in a profound way because for the first time i think i really understood from an experiential perspective, that this life does not end with the death of the physical body, but it clearly continues on into another realm that is, is a realm of wonder and uh, and joy and purpose and meaning, and uh, that there is a, a, a place where we go where we meet our loved ones and that that we that. Even though there's a separation, it's a temporary separation and there's this great reunion that's awaiting each of us as we move to the other side. And that was so profound for me because that gave me great confidence then I, when I would be working with uh, people who were at the edge of death. And I could, I could speak very openly with them and, and about this great mystery that faces us when, when we're about to leave the body. So th- that, that was one of many experiences that, that was very profound for me.
0: Very amazing, and it really shows how in spirit world there is no time lapse. You posed the question seven years prior, mm-hmm. and then seven years later you mm-hmm. actually created that experience. And right. I think that is just so validating for people who are like impatient or waiting for the solution to trust mm-hmm. that the universe's divine timing is never late. <laughs> right.
1: As As one person said, you know, we are time beings for the time being. Uh, and that, that time is, is a function of this physical world, and it's tied to the, this three-dimensional reality. But when we begin to move beyond that and begin to move into uh, experiences that transcend the physical, then time takes on a, a rather different meaning altogether, and it's very difficult for us to conceptualize that apart from the experience.
0: Yes, very, very profound. So it's a very influential Opportunity for you, and that it also opened the gates of infinity and limitlessness and a new aspect for who you are mm-hmm,
1: mm-hmm.
0: and who you've become.
1: Well, yeah, uh, it it certainly has opened up horizons that I never I never uh, imagined in my wildest dreams. Um, um, in this work, uh, we um, well, it, it's kind of funny because what in this work what we really do is is we. Uh, work with or, uh, ordinary people, and and show them, uh, or they discover for themselves extraordinary things. And, and I think that's one of the most uh, gratifying aspects of it is that so many of us have been educated into believing that we are only our physical bodies. And when you think about that, how much time and energy that we place into just maintaining the physical body—from shelter to food to cosmetics to clothing to uh... transportation all of it is designed to keep the physical body going but and so we tend to think that that's the limit of who we are but when when you have an experience that shows you that that you actually are transcend the physical body then that that has the the side effect of, of placing your your life in a different context you're no longer uh, the context is no longer just uh, the physical world, but then the context becomes literally multidimensional so that we learn to move between those dimensions and learn to explore them in, in creative ways. And that opens up our, our own personal creativity and by extension also helps us to, I think, come much closer to our sense of purpose in this life.
0: Yes, and and as we open ourselves to seeing ourselves from an eternal perspective, the possibilities to align with that purpose increase and get more exciting. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's
1: right. That's, <laughs>
0: that is so fun. So along your journey, has, have you been fortunate enough to have a strong support System that has understood the need for your shift in paradigms or the integration of multiple paradigms. How have you um, approached that? I know in the book you offer some warm insight, and and so I'd like. I think that's an important aspect. I think as humans in the physical plane in time and space, we need to know we're supported through this process.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I think that's where, uh, the, again, the paradox of the spiritual journey is is kind of tough because um, when you start to move into this kind of work, uh, you're you're moving against the mainstream of uh, of the public awareness <clears throat> because, as far as the public is concerned, at least in Western culture, the, all there is is the physical world, and and there is no other. But if you start to uh, Move into ranges of experience that transcend that. Suddenly, you find yourself at odds with this this world that is convinced that is is such a, that there is no more than the physical body, and and it can get kind of lonely in that regard, because you start to look a little crazy to the people around you, and they start to wonder whether uh, they can trust you anymore. And so, what we've noticed so often when people come to the Monroe Institute is that the minute they walk through the door, there's a sense of relief because they feel as if they're home in, at some deep soul level. And that home that hominess has to do with uh, being in the context of other people who share this rather odd and, and strange way of viewing uh, existence in, in this transcendent uh, perspective. And so I think it's very important that we are, find some kind of community that can support us as we move through this this journey because they can help us to laugh, they can help us not to take ourselves so seriously, but they can also help us to uh, maintain our inspiration as we walk on this path that's not usually honored or treasured by most of society. It's, I think it's actually becoming more and more so that that uh, more and more people are opening, opening up to this. But I think the, the, um, the community aspect, if you can find it wherever you can find it, that can be like, uh, like gold to, to you as you move through this time. So those relationships and, and those connections are, are uh, literally life-giving and sustaining as, as you move along. So um, I think that's one aspect to it. The other aspect is, that, um, is, to, is to really tune in and listen to the longing of your soul. And uh, we tend to want to move away from the longing of the soul because it's, it can be kind of a painful thing because we know it's it's not in step with maybe where our life is heading at any given time. But it's the longing of the soul or the yearning of the heart that is the kind of the blueprint, I think, for uh, a movement into wholeness as opposed to living as a fraction. And uh, so it's really important to to provide some kind of space in your life where that longing can come forward maybe it's maybe it's through art maybe it's through writing but maybe it's it's just giving yourself the gift of time Uh, we live in a very time compressed society here but if you can give yourself the ability to uh, to have some time that is not so compressed whether that's going to uh, a seminar or maybe on a retreat just to give that yearning or that longing space to kind of open up a little bit, so it's not so compressed, and to learn to um, not just listen to it, but to form a relationship with it, uh, then then that can lead your life in in new directions. It might be a little bit uh, disconcerting at at first, but in the long run, I think that it it will be a life that it's is um, much more full, much more profound, and much more uh, enjoyable in the long run
0: very profound we are speaking with paul rademacher with his latest book release a spiritual hitchhiker's guide to the universe travel tips for the spiritually perplexed you can find him on the web at www hitchhiker.com. You can find a bio, some travel journal, interviews. Um, you can purchase the book on that web link. You can also find out more information about the Monroe Institute at www.monroeinstitute.org, And, of course, you can find out more information about the book as well at www.hrpub. .com and of course you can always connect with Paul on the web, on the evolutionrevolutionradio.com link as well. Good. So what is the role of willingness during the journey? I found that a lot of what I read as I read through the book, I found that a lot of the themes that I the common thread among your perseverance was your willingness. And so I thought that was an important courageous element that you presented that others could gain from
1: well (laughs) it's kind of interesting that that, you know I I have a little different perspective on that because I I don't think of myself as a particularly courageous person um, to be honest with you I I kind of think that I didn't have a lot of choice in the matter because uh, that as I was talking before about the longing of the heart and the yearning of the spirit or vice versa um and and you throw into that makes you know a really healthy dose of a dose of curiosity I, i'm not sure that i had much choice but to go on on this journey because it just wouldn't go away and and i think maybe some of you, a lot of your listeners can can relate to that um you might want it to go away but it it's just not going to once it once it's got a hold of you it takes on a life of, of its own and so, um, the willingness was probably more curiosity than anything else. It certainly—I don't think of it as being courage. In fact, I—I I, I often wish I had a lot more courage than I do. Um, but you know, the, once you start, you crack that door open, and you start that that relationship with uh, the spirit that can come into your life. You know, it'll lead you in in ways that, uh, as I said before, can be pretty disconcerting. Uh, but also profoundly wonderful, and so I think maybe in my in my heart of hearts, it, it, it was probably the wonder that drew me more than that overrode the fear eventually. And oftentimes that you know it would take so long for that process to to work itself out. I know that um, for me, uh, you know, being in the ministry was was pretty difficult because I um, I wanted to pursue this other thing so much. More And I didn't really feel like I was listening to my inner heart in the ministry. And yet it took me many, many years to leave, to get the courage to leave, even though my wife, Jackie, encouraged me many, many times to do so. And uh, so I think that's more of an example of my lack of courage than, than anything else. But eventually what happens is that that yearning becomes so strong, that tension in your life becomes so uh, so great that you can't not do it. And I think that's where I, I finally ended up at so many juncture points in my life where it was I came to a position where I simply couldn't not do it. And uh, so when that happens, it makes it a little bit easier.
0: I think that is a very valuable point, And I think that many, many people who are on the spiritual journey that you've described in your book and, and throughout the hour can relate to that um experience of the courage being divinely uh pressed <laughs> exactly. i would That's like to say to yeah,
1: absolutely yeah
0: divinely <laughs> I actually pressed i had a conversation about that last night it was like you know i don't think i feel i don't feel like i have a choice and someone said you know we must remind you that you do have a choice on your mission and it's like well really i i don't think i do <laughs> <laughs>
1: Right. That's right. So, you know, the reason why I, I want to emphasize that is, is, again, this idea that so many people have, well, I could never do that, or I'd have to learn so much more than what I know now, or I'd have to grow so much spiritually before I could. That's not true. We're all just ordinary people. Every single one of us has feet of clay, and and yet at the same time, it's a mixture of of stardust too. You know, so we we have we stand at this midpoint between heaven and earth, if you will, and um, and everybody has that opportunity, no matter no matter what course your life has taken. So, I wouldn't want people to get discouraged thinking that they have to be special in some way
0: very 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 important point I think we're all extraordinary and and we all have the ability and the capability to shine in the multi-dimensional light Mm -hmm.
1: Mm -hmm. absolutely
0: very wonderful so how do you experience Jesus today as a part of your spiritual journey
1: well uh, for me I I, I, he's still a very definite reality uh, that who I converse with on a regular basis Um, and you know how can i say it more than that i guess uh, i spend uh, you know when meditation time um, i i purposely try to connect with with uh, jesus and and the, the energy that he represents and so uh, i would i would look to him at this point as as being a very important counselor in my life and of course i've got other counselors as well too but uh, still uh, for some reason jesus has been uh, central to who i am and uh, I'm not sure that I can say much more about it than that.
0: Certainly, no. That's very validating, and I, I did definitely um, I resonate with that information. So and I think that many, many people will as well. So I think it's mm-hmm. an important point mm-hmm. to recognize that um, the view of Jesus has 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 not changed because he's still an amazing uh, enlightened figure but just the dynamic it's like friendships or relationships evolve the relationship with Jesus evolves
1: exactly and and so much of it i think has has evolved as as i have grown and my perspectives have changed over the years it's been i guess maybe that's a good way to say it that, that he's been kind of a touchstone uh that i know that i can always connect with and that i can always find my center within and uh, and vice versa and and that it gives it's kind of a compass in my life i guess
0: very, very beautiful. I know for myself, um, as I was asking the questions from the, the dogma into this enlightenment throughout my own journey, I just kept wondering, so who are you, Jesus, if I just met you? Like, if I was in your time period, who would you be for me? And it was just like the answer I continually get through this day, and I tell people, is just a role model, mm-hmm. an absolute role model, not, not someone who carried around a book that said, hey, read this book about me. <laughs> I just said... Live like I live, teach like i li- teach like I teach and love like i love
1: well I think uh, for me there's a, there's an additional uh, aspect to it too, which is that uh, um, Jesus talked uh, about uh, he would he would say something like uh, when you have done it to the least of these you have done it unto me and I take that to mean that that jesus is is available to us in everyone we meet that that there's this collective body that represents not just the potential of the individual, but the potential of of all of humanity together. And so that it kind of keeps me on my toes that I have to remember that everybody I encounter is potentially the face of Jesus. And uh, that's that's a very important uh, aspect of what we're talking about because it takes it out of the ethereal, and there's nothing wrong with the ethereal because I love the ethereal,
0: and, mm-hmm. b- and there
1: is that aspect of it, and, and it grounds us, grounds it into everyday experience.
0: Yes, that is a very important point, and I couldn't agree with you more. That recognizing that we all have the consciousness potential uh, that Jesus carried, as as I put it, as a role model, and just recognizing that we can tap in that, into that within ourselves, and also honoring that potential within others.
1: Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Very,
0: very beautiful. Yeah. Wonderful. Again, we're speaking with Paul Rademacher, author of A Spiritual Hitchhiker's Guide to the Universe, Travel Tips for the Spiritually Perplexed. You can purchase the book on his website at www.spiritualhitchhiker.com, also at www.hrpub.com. And, of course, you can explore more information about Paul and the Monroe Institute at Institute. Dot org. So where do you go from here? Where is the journey leading you next?
1: Well, it, so much of it, of course, has to do with uh, the work here that we have, do at the Institute. And uh, to make a long story short, I think one of the major directions that, that we're taking for the future of the Institute is to uh, consider that our next step uh, may be To move beyond individual exploration and individual transformation. Continue to do that because we do that very well. But also to begin to find ways of bringing together people who have been transformed by this work to take on larger projects that may have uh, societal and perhaps even global implications, so that um, the institute becomes something that it, where its service is expanded beyond uh, beyond the individual to uh, understand that that we are uh, have a responsibility to the to the global community as well, and so I think that's that 's where the the really exciting work is going to be happening at the institute and 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 as we move further into research, I think that we will find ways to uh, Sort of um, look into the future and see where the world is heading uh, as as a global entity, and uh, it kind of puts some people out there to do some exploring into the future and see what we find out.
0: I think that is very exciting, and our mission statement at Evolution Revolution definitely adheres and aligns with that with that next step. So that's very exciting. We're happy to support you uh, as we do. <laughs> oh, thank you
1: so much. We're glad um, to be on
0: Yes. Wonderful. It's just, it's so exciting to speak with other individuals and read other individuals' books who are on the journey, human, but recognize that there's more than the physical limitations that meet the eye. Mm
1: -hmm. Absolutely. Right.
0: Very wonderful. Only in the truth of who we are can we align with the meaning and value of our divine connection to other human beings and a most divine creator. By delving into the mysterious depths of the soul, one can further explore the potential for expanded awareness, consciousness, and bravely embrace the opportunity to know oneself as a direct expression of a most powerful, enlightening, all-encompassing, limitless, and unconditionally loving universal creator. Embrace this inherent connection to love today and allow the flow to carry you on a most divine exploration of infinity and beyond. Please be sure to join me this New Year's Eve on December 31st with Richard Lawrence, who will reappear to discuss the limitless teachings of the Twelve Blessings and delve into his empowering co-authored book, Realize Your Inner Potential, please join us for a new year's evening this 2010 as we explore how to realize your inner potential and help you to create co-create a most enlightening 2010. You can purchase all of the authors books featured on Evolution Revolution at www.amazon.com or link up to their individual websites through the Evolution Revolution website at www. Dot evolution Revolution Radio.com. Please join me in the upcoming weeks on the revolutionary independent productions of Evolution Revolution and Voices of Change for some exciting guests and uplifting inspiration, which can be further explored on the website and in iTunes. Also, please explore the Evolution Revolution archive shows under the, under the uh, archive tabs, excuse me, 2007, 2008, 2009, and also recognize that all archives are available 24-7 for free in iTunes by searching Dulcinea for Evolution Revolution and Dulcinea 333 for Voices of Change. They include amazing talent such as Robert Hill, Peggy McCall, Michael Tamora, Barbara Hanclough, Dr. Amit Goswami, Neil Donna Walsh, Barbara Marks Hubbard, Arielle Ford, Albert Clayton Golden, Robert Bruce, Dr. Susan Carroll, Gary Zukoff, and Linda Francis, Charles Virtue, David Robert Ort, Dr. Lisa Love, and more. Please share Evolution Revolution with others who may desire to join us in the future for an enlightening experience. You can now align with me and Evolution Revolution and Voices of Change on Facebook by searching Dulcinea333. Be sure to become a fan of Evolution Revolution Radio for special offers, free books, and the latest releases. I offer a vast array of services that can be found on my website under the Services and Events page, including client testimonials and a wealth of information and opportunities to align. A divine and spiritually enlightening experience awaits you. Also, be sure to further explore the newer audio feature, Voices of Change, which offers a unique expression of divine talent and wisdom that has the potential to expand, enlighten, and catalyze universal consciousness into the ever-present, abundant, infinite, and limitless realms. You can explore the exciting audio features to include Dennis Lewis, Lorraine Rowe, Starhawk, Dreaming Bear, Amber Hinton, Joylina Goodings, Marla Martinson, Thomas Nairer, Suzanne Northrop, and more. Co-create with Evolution Revolution. We are seeking partners to help Evolution Revolution evolve and expand to even more people across the globe. If you are interested in partnering and supporting the rapid development of Evolution Revolution Radio, please explore the Evolution Revolution tab on my website. I look forward to hearing from you about the infinite possibilities to co-create in the highest light and with the utmost grandest intentions. Thank you for joining Evolution Revolution with my honored guest, Paul Rademacher. Thank you, Paul. I truly appreciate your insight, expertise, and just your energy is just phenomenal. It's wonderful. Thank you.
1: Thank you, Destiny. It's been great to be with you.
0: I appreciate it. Please be sure to keep us in the loop of what you what you do and where you go next. We'd love to have you on again in the future as your work continues to evolve.
1: It'd be my pleasure.
0: Thank you. Much gratitude to you for listening and supporting the revolutionary independent production of Evolution Revolution Radio. I wish each of you an abundance of heavenly love including peace, awareness, joy, healing and gratitude today. And always, Abundant Miracles. Good night.